Section 24 of Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas and Yucatan, Volume 2, by John Lloyd Steffens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. The two figures stand facing each other, the first on the right hand, fronting the spectator. The nose and eyes are strongly marked but altogether the development is not so strange as to indicate a race entirely different from those which are known. The headdress is curious and complicated, consisting principally of leaves of plants with a large flower hanging down, and among the ornaments are distinguished the beak and eyes of a bird and a tortoise. The cloak is a leopard skin, and the figure has ruffles around the wrists and ankles. The second figure, standing on the left of the spectator, has the same profile which characterizes all the others at Palenque. Its headdress is composed of a plume of feathers, in which is a bird holding a fish in its mouth, and in different parts of the headdress there are three other fishes. The figure wears a richly embroidered tippet and a broad girdle, with the head of some animal in front, sandals and leggings. The right hand is extended in a prayerful or deprecating position, with the palm outward. Over the heads of these mysterious personages are three cabalistic hieroglyphics. We considered the oratorio or altar the most interesting portion of the ruins at Palenque, and in order that the reader may understand it in all its details, the plate opposite is presented, which shows distinctly all the combinations of the doorway, with its broken ornaments, the tablets on each side, and within the doorway is seen the large tablet on the back of the inner wall. The reader will form from it some idea of the whole and of its effect upon the stranger, when, as he climbs up the ruined pyramidal structure on the threshold of the door, this scene presents itself. We could not but regard it as a holy place, dedicated to the gods and consecrated by the religious observances of a lost and unknown people. Comparatively, the hand of ruin has spared it, and the great tablet, surviving the wreck of elements, stands perfect and entire. Lonely, deserted, and without any worshippers at its shrine, the figures and characters are distinct as when the people who reared it went up to pay their adorations before it. To us it was all a mystery, silent, defying the most scrutinizing gaze and reach of intellect. Even our friends the Padres could make nothing of it. Near this, on the top of another pyramidal structure, was another building entirely in ruins, which apparently had been shattered and hurled down by an earthquake. The stones were strewed on the side of the pyramid, and it was impossible even to make out the ground plan. Returning to number one, and proceeding south, at a distance of 1,500 feet, and on a pyramidal structure 100 feet high from the bank of the river, is another building, marked on the plan number four, twenty feet front and eighteen feet deep, but in an unfortunately ruined condition. The whole of the front wall has fallen, 
leaving the outer corridor entirely exposed fronting the door and against the back wall of the inner corridor was a large stucco ornament representing a figure sitting on a couch but a great part has fallen or been taken off and carried away the body of the couch with tiger's feet is all that now remains the outline of two tigers heads and of the sitting personage is seen on the wall the loss or destruction of this ornament is more to be regretted as from what remains it appears to have been superior in execution to any other stucco relief in palenque the body of the couch is entire and the leg and foot hanging down the side are elegant specimens of art and models for study the plate opposite represents this relief and also a plan section and general view of the building i have now given without speculation or comment a full description of the ruins of palenque i repeat what i stated in the beginning that there may be more buildings but after a close examination of the vague reports current in the village we are satisfied that no more have ever been discovered and from repeated inquiries of indians who had traversed the forest in every direction in the dry season we are induced to believe that no more exist the whole extent of ground covered by those as yet known as appears by the plan is not larger than our park or battery in stating this fact i am very far from wishing to detract from the importance or interest of the subject i give our opinion with the grounds of it and the reader will judge for himself how far these are entitled to consideration it is proper to add however that considering the space now occupied by the ruins as the site of palaces temples and public buildings and supposing the houses of the inhabitants to have been like those of the egyptians and the present race of indians of frail and perishable materials and as at memphis and thebes to have disappeared altogether the city may have covered an immense extent the reader is perhaps disappointed but we were not there was no necessity for assigning to the ruined city an immense extent or an antiquity coeval with that of the egyptians or of any other ancient and known people what we had before our eyes was grand curious and remarkable enough here were the remains of a cultivated polished and peculiar people who had passed through all the stages incident to the rise and fall of nations reached their golden age and perished entirely unknown the links which connected them with the human family were severed and lost and these were only the memorials of their footsteps upon earth we lived in the ruined palace of their kings we went up to their desolate temples and fallen altars and wherever we moved we saw the evidence of their taste their skill in arts their wealth and power in the midst of desolation and ruin we looked back to the past cleared away the gloomy forest and fancied every building perfect with its terraces and pyramids its sculptured and painted ornaments grand lofty and imposing 
and overlooking an immense inhabited plain we called back into life the strange people who gazed at us in sadness from the walls pictured them in fanciful costumes and adorned with plumes of feathers ascending the terraces of the palace and the steps leading to the temples and often we imagined a scene of unique and gorgeous beauty and magnificence realizing the creations of oriental poets the very spot which fancy would have selected for the happy valley of rasselas in the romance of the world's history nothing ever impressed me more forcibly than the spectacle of this once great and lovely city overturned desolate and lost discovered by accident overgrown with trees for miles around and without even a name to distinguish it apart from everything else it was a mournful witness to the world's mutations nations melt from power's high pinnacle when they have felt the sunshine for a while and downward go as at copan i shall not at present offer any conjecture in regard to the antiquity of these buildings merely remarking that at ten leagues distance is a village called las tres cruces or the three crosses from three crosses which according to tradition cortez erected at that place when on his conquering march from mexico to honduras by the lake of peten cortez then must have passed within twenty or thirty miles of the place now called palenque if it had been a living city its fame must have reached his ears and he would probably have turned aside from his road to subdue and plunder it it seems therefore but reasonable to suppose that it was at that time desolate and in ruins and even the memory of it lost chapter twenty one departure from the ruins bad road an accident arrival at the village a funeral procession negotiations for purchasing palenque making casts final departure from palenque beautiful plain hanging birds nests a sitio adventure with a monstrous ape hospitality of padres las playas a tempest mosquitoes a youthful merchant alligators another funeral disgusting ceremonials among the indians who came out to escort us to the village was one whom we had not seen before and whose face bore a striking resemblance to those delineated on the walls of the buildings in general the faces of the indians were of an entirely different character but he might have been taken for a lineal descendant of the perished race the resemblance was perhaps purely accidental but we were anxious to procure his portrait he was however very shy and unwilling to be drawn mr catherwood too was worn out and in the confusion of removing we postponed it upon his promising to come to us at the village but we could not get hold of him again we left behind our kitchen furniture consisting of the three stones which juan had put together the first day of our residence 
vessels of pottery and calabashes and also our beds for the benefit of the next comer everything susceptible of injury from damp was rusty or mouldy and in a ruinous condition we ourselves were not much better and with the clothes on our backs far from dry we bade farewell to the ruins we were happy when we reached them but our joy at leaving them burst the bounds of discretion and broke out into extravagances poetical which however fortunately for the reader did not advance much beyond the first line adios las casas de piedra the road was worse than at any time before the streams were swollen into rivers and along the banks were steep narrow gullies very difficult to pass at one of these after attempting to ascend with my macho i dismounted mr catherwood was so weak that he remained on the back of his mule and after he had crossed just as he reached the top the mule's strength gave way and she fell backward rolling over in the stream with mr catherwood entirely under pauling was behind and at that time in the stream he sprang off and extricated mr catherwood unhurt but very faint and as he was obliged to ride in his wet clothes we had great apprehensions for him at length we reached the village when exhausted by hard and unintermitted labor he gave up completely and took to bed and the medicine chest in the evening nearly all my friends of the dinner party came to see us that one day had established an intimacy all regretted that we had had such an unfortunate time at the ruins wondered how we had lived through it and were most kind in offers of services the padre remained after the rest and went home with a lantern in the midst of one of those dreadful storms which had almost terrified us at the ruins the next day again was sunday it was my third sunday in the village and again it was emphatically a day of rest in the afternoon a mournful interruption was given to the stillness of the place by the funeral of a young indian girl once the pride and beauty of the village whose portrait mr waldeck had taken to embellish his intended work on palenque her career as often happens with beauty in higher life was short brilliant and unhappy she had married a young indian who abandoned her and went to another village ignorant innocent and unconscious of wrong she was persuaded to marry another drooped and died the funeral procession passed our door the corpse was borne on a rude bier without coffin in a white cotton dress with a shawl over the head and followed by a slender procession of women and children only i walked beside it and heard one of them say bueno cristiano to attend the funeral of a poor woman the bier was set down beside the grave and in lifting the body from it the head turned on one side and the hands dropped the grave was too short and as the dead was laid within the legs were drawn up her face was thin and wasted but the mouth had a sweetness of expression which seemed to express 
that she had died with a smile of forgiveness for him who had injured her. I could not turn my eyes from her placid but grief-worn countenance, and so touching was its expression that I could almost have shed tears. Young, beautiful, simple, and innocent, abandoned and dead, with not a mourner at her grave. All seemed to think that she was better dead. She was poor and could not maintain herself. The men went away, and the women and children, with their hands, scraped the earth upon the body. It was covered up gradually and slowly. The feet stuck out, and then all was buried but the face. A small piece of muddy earth fell upon one of the eyes, and another on her sweetly smiling mouth, changing the whole expression in a moment. Death was now robed with terror. The women stopped to comment upon the change. The dirt fell so as to cover the whole face except the nose, and for two or three moments this alone was visible. Another brush covered this, and the girl was buried. The reader will excuse me. I am sorry to say that if she had been ugly, I should perhaps have regarded it as an everyday case of a wife neglected by her husband. But her sweet face speaking from the grave created an impression which even yet is hardly effaced. But to return to things more in my line, we had another long journey before us. Our next move was for Yucatan. From Mr. Catherwood's condition I had great fear that we would not be able to accomplish what we purposed. But at all events it was necessary to go down to the seacoast. There were two routes, either by Tabasco or the Laguna to Campeche, and war again confronted us. Both Tabasco and Campeche were besieged by the liberals, or as they were called, the revolutionists. The former route required three days' journey by land, the latter one short day, and as Mr. C. was not able to ride, this determined us. In the meantime, while waiting for his recovery, and so as not to rust and be utterly useless when I returned home, I started another operation, that is, the purchase of the city of Palenque. I am bound to say, however, that I was not bold enough to originate this, but fell into it accidentally in a long conversation with the prefect about the richness of the soil, the cheapness of land, its vicinity to the seaboard and the United States, and easy communication with New York. He told me that a merchant of Tabasco, who had visited the place, had proposed to purchase a tract of land and establish a colony of emigrants, but he had gone away and never returned. He added that for two years a government order from the state of Chiapas, to which the region belonged, had been lying in his hands for the sale of all land in the vicinity lying within certain limits. But there were no purchasers, and no sales were ever made. Upon inquiry I learned that this order, in its terms, embraced the ground occupied by the ruined city. No exception whatever was made in favor of it. He showed me the order, which was imperative, and he said that if any exception was intended, 
it would have been so expressed wherefore he considered himself bound to receive an offer for any portion of the land the sale was directed to be by appraisement the applicant to name one man the prefect another and if necessary they too to name a third and the application with the price fixed and the boundaries was to be sent to ciudad real for the approval of the governor and a deed the tract containing the ruins consisted of about six thousand acres of good land which according to the usual appraisement would cost about fifteen hundred dollars and the prefect said that it would not be valued a cent higher on account of the ruins i resolved immediately to buy it i would fit up the palace and repeople the old city of palenque but there was one difficulty by the laws of mexico no stranger can purchase lands unless married to an hija del pais or daughter of the country this by the way is a grand stroke of policy holding up the most powerful attraction of the country to seduce men from their natural allegiance and radicate them in the soil and it is taking them where weak and vulnerable for when wandering in strange countries alone and friendless buffeted and battered with no one to care for him there are moments when a lovely woman might root the stranger to any spot on earth on principle i always resisted such tendencies but i never before found it to my interest to give way the ruined city of palenque was a most desirable piece of property the case was embarrassing and complicated society in palenque was small the oldest young lady was not more than fourteen and the prettiest woman who already had contributed most to our happiness she made our cigars was already married the house containing the two tablets belonged to a widow lady and a single sister good-looking amiable and both about forty the house was one of the neatest in the place i always liked to visit it and had before thought that if passing a year at the ruins it would be delightful to have this house in the village for recreation and occasional visits with either of these ladies would come possession of the house and the two stone tablets but the difficulty was that there were two of them both equally interesting and equally interested i am particular in mentioning these little circumstances to show the difficulties that attended every step of our enterprise in that country there was an alternative and that was to purchase in the name of some other person but i did not know any one i could trust at length however i hit upon mr russell the american consul at laguna who was married to a spanish lady and already had large possessions in the country and i arranged with the prefect to make the purchase in his name pauling was to accompany me to the laguna for the purpose of procuring and carrying back evidence of mr russell's cooperation and the necessary funds and was to act as my agent in completing the purchase the prefect was personally anxious to complete it the buildings he said were fast going to decay 
and in a few years more would be mounds of ruins in that country they were not appreciated or understood and he had the liberal wish that the tablets of hieroglyphics particularly might find their way to other countries be inspected and studied by scientific men and their origin and history be ascertained besides he had an idea that immense discoveries were still to be made and treasures found and he was anxious for a thorough exploration in which he should himself cooperate the two tablets which i had attempted to purchase were highly prized by the owners but he thought they could be secured by purchasing the house and i authorized him to buy it at a fixed price in my many conversations with the prefect i had broached the subject of making casts from the tablets like every other official whom i met he supposed that i was acting under a commission from my government which idea was sustained by having in my employ a man of such character and appearance as pauling though every time i put my hand in my pocket i had a feeling sense that the case was far otherwise in the matter of castes he offered every assistance but there was no plaster of paris nearer than the laguna or campeche and perhaps not even there we had made an experiment at the ruins by catching in the river a large quantity of snails and burning the shells but it did not answer he referred us to some limestone in the neighborhood but this would not do pauling knew nothing of casting the idea had never entered his mind before but he was willing to undertake this mr catherwood who had been shut up in athens during the greek revolution when it was besieged by the turks and in pursuing his artistical studies had perforce made castings with his own hands gave him written instructions and it was agreed that when he returned with the credentials from mr russell he should bring back plaster of paris and while the proceedings for completing the purchase were pending should occupy himself in this new branch of business on the fourth of june we took our final departure from palenque don santiago sent me a farewell letter enclosing according to the custom of the country a piece of silk the meaning of which i did not understand but learned that it was meant as a pledge of friendship which i reciprocated with a penknife the prefect was kind and courteous to the last even the old alcalde drawing a little daily revenue from us was touched every male inhabitant came to the house to bid us farewell and wish us to return and before starting we rode round and exchanged adios with all their wives good kind and quiet people free from all agitating cares and aiming only at an undisturbed existence in a place which i had been induced to believe the abode of savages and full of danger in order to accompany us the cura had postponed for two days a visit to his hacienda which lay on our road pauling continued with us for the purpose before mentioned and juan according to contract i had agreed to return him to guatemala completely among strangers he was absolutely in our power and followed blindly 
but with great misgivings asked the padre where we were taking him his impression was that he was setting out for my country and he had but little hope of ever seeing guatemala again from the village we entered immediately upon a beautiful plain picturesque ornamented with trees and extending five or six days journey to the gulf of mexico the road was very muddy but open to the sun in the morning was not so bad as we feared on the borders of a piece of woodland were singular trees with a tall trunk the bark very smooth and the branches festooned with hanging birds nests the bird was called the jagua and built in this tree as the padre told us to prevent serpents from getting at the young the cura notwithstanding his strange figure and a life of incident and danger was almost a woman in voice manner tastes and feelings he had been educated at the capital and sent as a penance to this retired curacy the visit of the padres had for the first time broken the monotony of his life in the political convulsions of the capital he had made himself obnoxious to the church government by his liberal opinions but unable as he said to find in him any tangible offence his superiors had called him up on a charge of polluting the surplus founded on the circumstance that in the time of the cholera when his fellow-creatures were lying all around him in the agonies of death in leaning over their bodies to administer the sacrament his surplus had been soiled by saliva from the mouth of a dying man for this he was condemned to penance and prayers from midnight till daybreak for two years in the cathedral deprived of a good curacy and sent to palenque at half past two we reached his sitio or small hacienda in the apprehension of the afternoon's rain we would have continued to the end of our afternoon's journey but the padre watched carefully the appearance of the sky and after satisfying himself that the rain would not come on till late positively forbade our passing on his sitio was what would be called at home a new place being a tract of wild land of i do not know what extent but some large quantity which had cost him twenty-five dollars and about as much more to make the improvements which consisted of a hut made of poles and thatched with corn husks and a cucinera or kitchen at a little distance the stables and outhouses were a clearing bounded by a forest so thick that cattle could not penetrate it and on the roadside by a rude fence altogether in that mild climate the effect was good and it was one of those occasions which make a man feel away from the region of fictitious wants how little is necessary for the comforts of life the furniture of the hut consisted of two reed bedsteads a table and a bench and in one corner was a pile of corn the cura sent out for a half a dozen fresh pineapples and while we were refreshing ourselves with them we heard an extraordinary noise in the woods which an indian boy told us was made by un animal pauline and i took our guns and entering a path in the woods as we advanced 
the noise sounded fearful but all at once it stopped the boy opened a way through thickets of brush and underwood and through an opening in the branches i saw on the limbs of a high tree a large black animal with fiery eyes the boy said it was not a miko or monkey and i supposed it to be a catamount i had barely an opening through which to take aim fired and the animal dropped below the range of view but not hearing him strike the ground i looked again and saw him hanging by his tail and dead with the blood streaming from his mouth pauling attempted to climb the tree but it was fifty feet to the first branch and the blood trickled down the trunk wishing to examine the creature more closely we sent the boy to the house whence he returned with a couple of indians they cut down the tree which fell with a terrible crash and still the animal hung by its tail the ball had hit him in the mouth and knocked out the foreteeth passed out at the top of his back between his shoulders and must have killed him instantly the tenacity of his tail seemed marvelous but was easily explained it had no grip and had lost all muscular power but was wound round the branch with the end under so that the weight of the body tightened the coil and the harder the strain the more secure was the hold it was not a monkey but so near a connection that i would not have shot him if i had known it in fact he was even more nearly related to the human family being called a monos or ape and measured six feet including the tail very muscular and in a struggle would have been more than a match for a man and the padre said they were known to have attacked women the indians carried him up to the house and skinned him and when lying on his back with his skin off and his eyes staring the padre cried out es hombre it is a man and i almost felt liable to an indictment for homicide the indians cooked the body and i contrived to preserve the skin as a curiosity for its extraordinary size but unluckily i left it on board a spanish vessel at sea End of section twenty four